hello and welcome to this week's TES podcast. Uh, my name's Martin George. I'm joined by John Roberts, remotely from Yorkshire. Hi, John. Hello there. Uh, will Stewart. Hi, Will. Hello. And Helena Mass. Hi, Helen. Hello. Um, so today we'll talk about uh, the big education news of the day, which is a, a quite an, a critical report from the Public Accounts Committee of the House of Commons about Ofsted. Um, it covers quite a lot of territory, um, and John, you're our Ofsted um, expert. Um, so just take us through some of the, the main concerns that the MPs have been raising. Yeah, there's quite a few criticisms and quite strong criticisms as well. One is, is something we've heard quite a bit of this year, which is that a real question mark about how much assurance Ofsted is now able to give parents and the public about the schools it inspects, because it only does one or two day inspections and also this mounting concern that schools are going a great length of time between inspections. Um, now, standing schools don't get routinely inspected now, and um, that's left us in a position where there's nearly 300 schools that haven't been looked at by Ofsted for a decade, I think, and something like 1,600 that have gone at least six years. Now, the Public Accounts Committee is basically saying that that, that is eroding the credibility of Ofsted, and if this carries on, that I think the line they've used is that their credibility will evaporate, which is a fairly strong conclusion. But there's also some other criticisms as well. Ofsted told Parliament that they'd hit all of their statutory targets over a five-year period, and then it transpired that they hadn't, and in 40-odd cases they hadn't been into schools, so they've had to apologise for that. And then perhaps most interestingly, and the thing that certainly sparked a lot of debate today, is that um, Amanda Spielman, the Chief Inspector, has actually been singled out for not being more outspoken. Um, MPs, when she appeared before the Select Committee asked her about how funding pressures is impact, are imp impacting on schools and they basically weren't very happy that she didn't have anything sort of conclusive to say about that. Um, she's responded today to say that they have no evidence that, that funding pressures are leading to a decline in education but that in and, in and of itself has attracted more criticism so it's yeah tough day for, for Ofsted. There have been several different criticisms there. Yeah I mean you talked about funding there um, at school funding there's also the issue of the funding for Ofsted itself. I mean, how much of the problems MPs are talking about do you think stems from the DfE cutting the money that the inspectorate itself has? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the irony of this, really, that on the one hand, Ofsted, the criticisms of Ofsted stem from the fact that they've had their budget cut so, so severely. So all of the criticisms around whether the two-day inspection works and whether it's right for outstanding schools to be exempt and whether Ofsted can now get under the skin of of schools and tell our parents anything worthwhile all of that really comes down to the fact that this is how much money we've got to to inspect schools and if any of that was going to change it would need more funding um but given that that's what Ofsted is saying itself about about the situation you know that it's basically saying this is the impact budget cuts have had on us it's quite ironic then that Amanda Spielman saying we haven't seen any impact of budget cuts to the quality of school education and um, Kevin Courtney from National Education Union criticized her for that and basically said that it's a sign that they're not, not willing to speak truth to power, in his words. And they even sort of suggested that Ofsted needs to go because it's not an in independent inspectorate. So finance is at the heart of it, but it's... Amanda Spielman's kind of defence was that I'm not going to make bold statements that aren't backed up by evidence, and we don't have kind of conclusive evidence that, um, that, that budget pressures are impacting on schools. But I suppose the question is, have they asked? And should they have asked? Do you mean, should, they, should this be something that's been more of a focus for them than it has been. Yeah, and I'm sure, still, sorry, Will. No, no, go on. I was going to say, I mean, she has spoken out on controversial topics in the past, say the hijab, 
and I'm not sure there was a massive evidence base for, for some of her comments in that area. So I can imagine some people thinking, well, why you speak about this, but not about that? I think it's interesting because it just shows <clears throat> what a political job the head of Ofsted is. Because you, I, know, I know when she's been interviewed this morning, it was suggested to her by um, the, the presenter on the Today programme that maybe she was getting this criticism because cause she just annoyed the committee. And, you know, the committee had been looking for a particular answer on school funding. It was something they were concerned about, and she wasn't giving them anything. And that probably was some of the case. And it, it, I think Amanda Spielman's approach is, well, you, you, you raise something that people might think is the exception with the hijab stuff. But certainly her approach is you speak on the evidence. And I think this just case just shows that the role is almost more than that. It's almost like a kind of shadow education secretary. So you've got this tough balance of not shooting your mouth off on things you know nothing about but sometimes it's not it's maybe not enough just to just not to have anything there or, or, or not to have anything on the on the big issues of the day I mean I think it's previously been described as you know kind of being the nation's head teacher mm. and, and like that you, you know you I guess people expect you to be abreast of everything so it's tough role as she's it is. discovering but you yeah. think you know so Michael Bush criticised <laughs> for saying too much about everything and now Amanda Spielman has been criticised for not saying enough about issues yeah. I mean it, it shows you how tricky that is yeah um, definitely yeah um, Helen as a, in a teacher mm. do you think all, all this sort of stuff happening up there in the, the clouds and the gods above the schools talking about Ofsted does mm. that impact on classroom teachers does it seem relevant to, to teachers in the staff room I mean I think the the time when Ofsted is most relevant for a classroom teacher is, is when you get that call and you suddenly have to spend your weekend preparing you mm. know um, I, I think that a lot of this kind of the more um, political side of it a lot of classroom teachers aren't that bothered about because um, it, you know what unless it, as long as Ofsted's there and they still have to perform, um, that's that's what's going to concern them. Yeah, actually, actually, some might secretly say if they could only do a one-day inspection. Well, yeah, that suits me. Yeah, um, no, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> so I was just going to say, is is amazing how fast things can change because you know a few months ago, Amanda Spielman seemed to be. I mean, you know, we should probably shouldn't overstate today's events, but but mm. they are fairly serious. But you know, a few months ago, she seems to be riding high. She kind of won this internal battle within, within the DFE, and seems she could do no wrong and wasn't putting any, anything wrong at all. But now, I don't think mentioning a huge amount of detail. But her, her big thing is is the new inspection framework. Yes. And um, we've done a few stories now on on Damien Hines seemingly to be reluctant to, to give that his full backing. So, so there might looks like there could be more trouble down the line on that. So yeah, things change fast. It'll keep you busy, John, no doubt. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was in the, the, the magazine today, the revamped, re, refashioned magazine, are we calling it? Go out and buy it, it looks wonderful. Refreshed. Yes. Refreshed, yeah, that's the word. Um, we've got some news about research about setting and how schools allocate pupils to different classes. Um, it's from the uh, team led by the Institute of Education at UCL, and it raises some real concerns, I think, about whether setting is is fair or equitable, and, and especially for the more disadvantaged pupils. Um, I mean, a couple of just stats they found from their research, they think a third of pupils, when they looked at it, um, were put misallocated to either a higher or lower set. And they found that black pupils are two and a half times more likely than white pupils to be wrongly put in a lower math set. Um, Will, that's, they're sort of 
pretty serious concerns there, aren't there? Yeah, shocking, shocking concerns, and um, and I, and I guess, well, they're, they're very shocking. But but almost as interesting is 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 the the guidance saying that that may that's, that it's probably more effective to use some sort of mixability teaching mm. in the setting. And if schools were to follow that uh, from the piece you've written, it, it would mean a bit of a revolution, wouldn't it? Because you most schools set or most secondary schools set, don't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think. One thing is, I mean, they did some trials here and they found it incredibly difficult to get schools to take part in a trial looking at mixability teaching. Schools just didn't want to try it. And when they tried to say, well, let's try setting under the sort of best practice the academics wanted, they found the schools found it difficult to actually even stick to these three principles of best setting because yeah. the, the way they do things is so deeply entrenched in our system. I think it's really because the stakes are so high. Um, you know, by the time you get to GCSE, the the grades that those students get in the end are completely what the school is, is judged by a lot of the time. Um, and I think that if you're saying we'll take all of our top set students who we can provide really focused, you know, high level teaching to, um, and 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 put them into a, a mixed class. That's that's quite a risk for a school to take. Um, likewise, if you've got borderline students, putting them into a set where you can provide really targeted intervention feels like a much safer bet than mm. again just just letting those kids be in a mixability class. But it, it's a really difficult one. I mean, part of the issue is, is that point about um, the research seems to show that, that the higher achieving students do do a little bit better when you're setting. So at top grades, mm. maybe that's the case. But mm. it's the concern about the kids in the lower sets and things like um, d d the less qualified teachers tend to teach those sets. Um, they have lower expectations. Mm. Some of the kids lose confidence in their uh, ability in those subjects. Um, I mean, it, it does, you can see, it's easy to see all the disadvantages that, you, that you're going to get from being in the lower set and the, and the stigma that might, that might come with that and potentially behaviour problems, things like that. But apart from that, it does feel like it, it, not. I'm not going to teach myself, obviously. But but common sense would would seem to suggest that it that to, sorry, this research seems to go against common sense. Yep. You, you know, mm. you you would expect it to be easier to teach like that. Mm. And I think to some extent it, it it is easier, isn't it? It's a question of whether it's more effective because. Yeah. Well, and, and obviously the question that's being raised is whether it's fair, and yeah. the, the fairest and the sort of most most moral approach isn't always going to be the easiest approach, I suppose. Yeah, especially at a time when you're talking about your teacher workload. Mm -hmm. if, if teachers think that having mixed ability groups means you're having to you know, make almost three different lessons within a lesson or, or having mm -hmm. to differentiate in a way that's, that's onerous on them, mm -hmm. that's a concern as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. well, I, th I, th I think Michael Wilshaw ma made one of the most interesting points, which he's made before, but which is, you know, mixed ability teaching might be the most effective way, but, but to do it, you need to have really good teachers. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you as a head teacher, you you know you've got a lot of young teachers, less experienced teachers, and you're not confident in their ability to do it, then it's better to it's better to, to play it safe. And yeah, that's, that, that yeah. is interesting. But the other thing is also because there seems to be evidence that actually parents really do like setting, don't they? Mm -hmm. And head teachers and pupils. And and there was a YouGov survey out this right. week saying pupils prefer it. Yeah, marginally, but but still, yeah. more pupils prefer it. But it shows it be, could be quite a brave head teacher to to say, actually, we looked at this evidence, and we're going to just completely change this. I mean, you'd have to have a very very careful explanation to parents if mm -hmm. you do go down that route. I think. Mm. Yeah. And justify why you're potentially risking that year group's grades. But some are, as you as you found, yep. didn't you? Because you, yep. you've got a good case study, uh, which is quite 
compelling reasons for doing it. Yeah, and talking to that head teacher, you know, their, their nearby primary school they're linked to, he'd been in that school, seen how mixed ability worked for, for them and their year sixes, and he was blown away by it, mm. blown away by it, he said. So he, he wants to try and do it. So this year, the maths department, the last holdout, is going to go to mixed ability. So we'll see how it works. Um, Draw things to a close there, but just to say, um, look at our website. We've got um, lots of do's and don'ts from the academics about how to do setting, if you're going to do setting, and how to do mixed ability teaching, if you're going to do that. So hopefully some sort of practical help for schools, um, as well as the sort of more academic analysis there. Great. Um, thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.